This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters and this is the show that danced the mamushka while nero fiddled that danced the mamushka at waterloo that danced the mamushka for jack the ripper and now dear listeners this mamushka is for you i always love when we get to do the mamushka it's about time it's a shame it's on an audio medium yeah but we've been wanting to do the mamushka for forever for as long as we knew the mamushka could be done I brought all these knives! I'm ready to catch them and or throw them back at you. I don't know which one's which. Who catches the one in the mouth and who doesn't? Who's the thrower man? I, I don't understand how the mamushka works, but it's a treat. I feel like since you brought the knives, they end up in my throat. <laughs> that seems only fair, I think. But it does seem appropriate that it ends up in somebody's throat because today we are talking about the Adams Family from 1991, directed by the Barry fucking Sonnenfeld. Yeah, for sure. Oh, man, this guy. I feel like whenever I say Barry Sonnenfeld, like if I like just even stutter over his last name the tiniest bit, I feel like I'm going like Seinfeld a little bit on it for some reason. Oh, drink by Barry Seinfeld. <laughs> you really got to enunciate the nun and what's the deal with this family? <laughs> they're ooky and they're spooky. You ever gone ooky on an airplane? What's that about? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you ever seen this thing before? Of course. And a long, long time ago, I forgot everything about it. So this is a treat. This was a treat. This is my first time seeing this one in a long time, and I've seen the second one a ton of times. Yeah. But I didn't remember a damn thing from this movie. <laughs> this came on, and I was like, okay. This feels familiar, but totally different from what I remember. That's because it's ooky and spooky. And other words that rhyme with ooky. That's right. Kooky? Kooky's one of them, Kooky's definitely one of them. What are your thoughts on this thing? This is just so much fun. Yeah, it's the most lighthearted, dark movie that's ever been made, I feel like. It's like if you took Tim Burton and just inflated him with helium. Or joy. Whichever one you want to do it with. (laughs) He was supposed to direct this thing, and he said... Nah, too dark for even me. Or too joyful for even me? I don't know. He said no. He was like, I don't know. I probably have other things to do. Maybe. He had a Batman Returns to do. That's right. Two movies that have similar levels of horniness. That's absolutely right. (laughs) You want to get into this thing? I I can't keep looking at pictures of Morticia and Gomez and just like, they just want each other and I want them right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, we just get into this one. Christmas carolers. That's right. I bet you forgot that's how this started. You're right. I did. We pan up to the roof of the house where we find the titular family pouring a steaming hot cauldron of opening credits all over said carolers. It's a steaming pile of opening credits that has the exact same font and style as (laughs) the Men in Black films. It does. So Barry Sonnenfeld, one trick pony. Great trick, but one trick. I like that his one trick is the opening credits. Font. 
That's his spot. choice. He's like, this is my director trait or whatever. This is my my signature. Go see RV starring Robin Williams. Bet she has the same fun. <laughs> That Tarantino guy's got a thing for feet. No, no, no. You give me fonts all day. <laughs> Whatever that squiggly one is and that tall one. <laughs> That's what I'm all about. It's like a Dr. Strangelove font, though, when you think about it. That's the same exact style. Interesting. You're right. That's like his homage to Stanley Kubrick. That's pretty stretch-y. It's, you know, like people say. That's exactly what people say, Brian. Yes. That's pretty stretchy. <laughs> Your sentence would have made more sense if you did it as Cousin It. <laughs> that's not Cousin It, it's Meatwad. Nope. Nope. That was it's like half Meatwad, half Stitch. I don't know where we went with there. Oh, man. Well, we might as well just get right into the actual IMDb trivia facts then. Already, huh? Oh, yeah, very early on the this one. The movie hasn't even started yet. Give it a chance to breathe a little bit. I will not. Okay. Earlier in the year The Addams Family 1991 was released, Sean Astin and Keith Coogan appeared together in Toy Soldiers. Astin is the son of the original Gomez, John Astin, while Coogan is the grandson of the original Fester, Jackie Coogan. That is proper interesting, and I hate it. Isn't it? And it's the worst kind of interesting, because it's the IMDb facts that are like, this person was also in this. And you're like, that's not, has nothing to do with this movie, but this one does, and <laughs> it works, right. and I, I hate it. Damn it! They got us with a good one to start. Ah! Yeah. So this is probably a caped IMDb trivia fact. I have no clue what got approved once again. I'm very excited. This is in the same vein as the other one, but I think it could be caped. Okay. This is the second comedy that Christopher Lloyd was in that was released in 1991. The other one was Suburban Commando. That sounds very caped. It does to me. It's not me, but that sounds very caped. Interesting. If that's your fact... Make sure you email us and tell us. I was frozen today! (laughs) He's so good. Always a treat. Always a treat. One of the greatest lines in cinematic history. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. You get the fuck out. Gomez Adams, played by Raul Julia, reflects sorrowfully that his brother Fester has been missing for 25 years after falling out between the two. Now, I want to go back really quickly, Brian. Yeah. I think you said Raul Julia. I did. You forgot a middle name, and I'm offended personally. Well, that's because I wanted you to call me out on this, because I wanted to do it properly. Okay. Raul fucking Raphael fucking Carlos fucking Julia fucking Arcalay. Oh, that's beautiful. That right there is just a a poem, really, when you think about it. Beautiful. Phenomenal. Phenomenal, this man. Two things. Number one, I don't appreciate you setting me up. Number two... Thank you for setting me up because it created gold. (laughs) Even a broken clock, right? That's right. (laughs) Speaking of clocks, though. They have quite a cuckoo clock. That cuckoo clock is a motorboating son of a bitch. Because you have the mortician and the Gomez pop out of this cuckoo clock, and he's checking for both speed and comfort. It's amazing. Absolutely is. While the kids are killing each other downstairs because exactly this cuckoo clock has multiple floors it's the coolest clock that's ever existed it's amazing and i want it gomez goes and wakes up his wife morticia played of course by angelica fucking houston and the only thing you need to know about these two is that they totally fuck they fuck hard and often often and we know hard i'm not just saying that to be a a perverted man despite what i normally do she says you were (laughs) like 
carnal last night. Please do that again. Yeah, that's our intro to these two. And this is a family film. (laughs) This movie opens up with a motorboating son of a bitch, and then the mom going, husband, mocherie, whatever French words, we (laughs) gonna need you to give it to me like that again now. Pronto. Pronto, not French. That's right. (laughs) The children, Wednesday, played by Christina fucking Ricci, and Pugsley, played by Jimmy Workman, head off to school. No no middle name for Jimmy Workman. I think he has four lines in the whole movie. That's fair. So those two head off to school, and Gomez hits some golf balls off the roof, smashing the windows of his neighbor, Judge Womack, played by Paul Benedict. You know, typical weekday stuff. As you do. So the Adams's lawyer, Tully Alford, played by Dan Hedaya. Dan fucking Hedaya, thank you. He shows up to the house with his wife to collect monthly expenses. Again, as you do as a lawyer. I feel like I need to defend the, the Dan fucking Hedaya. I feel like you're sass. You are I'm not sass. on the same page. He's just fine. He plays Nick in Cheers. And he's the grossest man that's ever existed, and it's hysterical. It is such a good bit role. And every time I see him, I go, oh, I love Dan Hedaya so much, despite him being Dan Hedaya. So naturally, he and Gomez sword fight. As you do with your lawyer, right? Telly proposes the creation of a Fester Adams offshore retirement fund in honor of, of Fester Adams. But at the same time, he's up to something here. I mean, he's a... Shady lawyer, and he's definitely cooking it up, and he's definitely just doing the hard sell to Gomez, who's eating it all up. Oh, we'll put it in my name. It'll be untraceable. All, all the, you know, the good things you want your lawyer to say about stuff. <laughs> right. <laughs> Gomez says that they do not discuss new business until the next quarter. That makes him real mad. Sure does. And with that, Gomez goes through a secret door in his bookcase to retrieve the gold doubloons for the monthly expenses, whatever that means. I have no clue. But they instantly set it up right away that, A, Gomez is rich as hell. Oh, yeah. And B, this family's eccentric as hell. Extremely eccentric. And I like that's the direction that they really lean in. Tully tries to follow him through his little secret passageway, but he only finds a copy of Gone with the Wind that literally blows wind in his face. Yeah, it checks out to me. Meanwhile, Tully's wife, Margaret, who came with them for reasons, played by Dana Ivey, She's asking Morticia to donate something for a charity auction. Morticia offers this bejeweled finger trap from the court of Emperor Wu, and then invites the Alfords to a seance that night where they'll be attempting to contact Uncle Fester's spirit. Now let me ask you this, Brian. You have this creepy-looking lady whose face is constantly illuminated, just her eye area is just illuminated. She looks creepy and gorgeous, but mostly creepy. And she hands you a Chinese finger trap that is ancient and does have a backstory to it. What's the first thing you do? Because I bet it's not put your fingers in it. My, oh, I'm going to put my fingers in it twice, depending on the on the cut. What? Oh, yeah. She definitely puts her fingers in it, and they switch to another angle, and her fingers are not in it, and they switch back, and she puts her fingers in again. I agree with you there, because I was looking for the same thing. <laughs> uh, whoever edited this movie definitely drank on the job for multiple <laughs> scenes in this movie, because the ending... Is insane too, but oh yeah, we yeah, the, uh, it is it is poorly done. <laughs> put it lightly, it is noticeably poorly done. There's all sorts of things happening all the time. So she sometimes puts her fingers in it and sometimes doesn't, but she ultimately does. Right, and in the end, the fingers are in the trap. Right. 
Tully returns to work to find his lone shark, Abigail Craven, played by Elizabeth Wilson. Elizabeth fucking Wilson. I'll give it to you. And her son, Gordon, played by Christopher fucking Lloyd. And he's got like this crazy, almost like Ben Stiller, Royal Tannenbaum's fro going on here. Oh, yeah. It's, it's nuts. Like, it's 100% Richard Simmons. Oh, without a doubt. And he's got the same bags under his eyes that Richard Simmons has. What? 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 <laughs> got to do more under eye workouts. Doesn't have any, any workouts for crow's feet. Just has Richard feet. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> Gordon harasses Tully until he discovers the gold doubloons. I just like saying doubloons. It's a fun word. It's a great word. I don't know the value of them at all. I just know that it's a fancy sounding word, so it's probably expensive. Well, I can tell you this. A briefcase full of them takes care of your monthly expenses. Whatever that means. Yeah, whatever that means. Economics, finance. They understand it as well as I do. <laughs> yeah, how much a briefcase full? That's enough. That's got to be enough, right? Just Does he weigh it? He like puts it on a scale, and then he's like, yeah, this is enough. This is probably good. <laughs> yeah. It's like a pirate way of doing it. I mean, it's insane. And somehow also appropriate. Well, without a doubt, it's the most eccentric way to pay somebody. <laughs> In doubloons. That's right. Tully notices just how similar Gordon looks to Fester, and he proposes that Gordon pose as Uncle Fester to infiltrate the Adams house to find the vault where they keep their vast riches. It's a plan. Sure is. At the seance, Grandmama Frump, played by Judith fucking Molina, <laughs> who is just hilarious always. I want to say she's not in enough of this movie, but at the same time, like, no, she's in the perfect amount of this movie yeah. to be as good as she is. Yeah, too much and you'd ruin it, but she's in it the perfect amount. She attempts to contact Fester's spirit, demanding he knock three times, and they hear three knocks at the door. And I like how she calls, like, BS on the seance. She's like, no, 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 no. Wait no. a minute, yeah. Hold on a second. <laughs> For real, though, this time, that was a warm-up. Ghost, you knock three times, or whatever you are. Not Ghost, not ghost. I don't know. I don't know what she's expecting. I or anyone no for clue. that matter. But Gomez is sitting there just like, yeah, do it. Knock. Knock. Do it. And there's a second knock at the door. So Thing goes to answer the door. Thing, of course, played by Christopher Hart's hand. Of course. <laughs> and at the door is Gordon, posing as Fester and Mrs. Miss? Mrs. Craven? We don't know about her, her marital status. Abigail Craven posing as a psychiatrist named Dr. Greta Pinderschloss. But I like how there's like no questions asked about him just showing up for the most part. Like she comes in and just gives an explanation. It's like, a stranger just introduced a stranger, and she might have been like, he is the one who knocks, or something like that, like just that creepy about it. Yeah, but they were like, we're, we were expecting Fester, so this kind of adds up. <laughs> we were doing the, the seance thing, looking at the glass ball. Yeah, this is bound to happen at some point. This is like 100%. We were expecting a spirit, but the fact that he's here in person is even better. That's how seances work, right? I'm pretty sure, right? Like one, one of these days, we're going to be doing an Ebert, and he's just going to walk into the room. Now let me tell you why you guys suck. And our initial thought process should be, that can't be Roger Ebert, but we're just going to be like, yeah, we were summoning you, so this makes sense. It'd be a jaw-dropping moment. It sure would. This is an actual IMDb trivia fact. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the name Pinderschloss is based on two German words. Pinder translates as nut. Schloss translates as chateau or manor house. So in other words, her surname translates as nuthouse, slang for asylum, a psychiatrist named Dr. Nuthouse. That is a very Mel Brooks thing. About <laughs> yeah, like in high is. anxiety, how you have Dr. Little Old Man. 
<laughs> That's exactly what he is. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Nuthouse. And with that, I have what is probably a caped IMDb trivia fact. Okay. <laughs> Dan Hedaya refused to shower for his entire life in preparation for this film. Yeah, he's very method. <laughs> his entire life. I love it. Hey, this is, he was born to play this role. When you look at him, you go, yeah, that man didn't shower his entire life. Not once, not never. And the weird part was, is that in the 80s, Irish Spring tried to get him on board to be their <laughs> spokesperson after his great role as Nick in Cheers. Yeah. And he's like, I can't. I'm going to play Tully one day in the Adams Family movie, 1991. Holding out to be the sleaziest lawyer of all time. <laughs> We're just waiting on Charles Adams' widow of only ex-wife. What is it? She, is it a widow if you're an ex-wife and he remarried after that? Can you claim widowism? Widower. Whatever it is. is that but can thing? you claim that? Because Charles Adams, the man who created the Adams Family, cartoonist, very funny little sketches and whatnot that kind of set the whole tone for everything that we know as the Adams family. Yeah. He was married twice. His first wife he was only married to for two years, was it? And she gets like the first credit at the end of this, like Lady Cloyton or whatever the hell her yeah. name was. Yeah. It, her real name was Barbara Jean Day. So she just changed it from Barbara Jean Day to Lady Cloyton. I guess when you have the Adams family property rights, you can do bullshit like that. No, she, mar- she married like a duke or something, didn't she? I don't know. I didn't look too deeply into her because when I saw Lady Cloyton, I went, wow, she sounds like she sucks. <laughs> I just think it's like an actual title. Either way, she got the property rights to Adam's family for only being married to this guy for two years. It's a good deal if you can get it. That's insane to me. That's absolutely wild. Because he married again to another lady another two decades later. Yeah, but he was married to her for like eight years. So it's like she has four times the right to this property <laughs> than the first lady. In th- I mean, that's it depends on what kind of lawyer you get, I guess. Maybe he had Tully. Maybe that's what this inspiration was. <laughs> that, would, that would check out for sure. I'm going to have you marry this cartoon man, and then you're going to divorce him after two years, but you're going to get the property rights to this hysterical cartoon. <laughs> Seems like a weird way to go about this, but okay. So Abigail Craven, posing as Dr. Greta Penderschloss, informs the family that Fester had been found in Miami, tangled in a tuna net during Hurricane Helga. And after extensive testing, the Florida Department of Fish and Game declared that this was indeed Fester Adams. Because that's, that's who would do that. That is the rightful authority to declare that a man is alive, I guess. Not many people know this, but the Florida Department of Fish and Game is actually the highest level of government in the country. That sounds like it should be a Florida man headline. <laughs> Speaking of which, I got a few for you, Brian. It's been a little oh, while since we wow. revisited. Are you ready for a few? I mean, this is a phenomenal segue. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's I can't go. believe it happened organically, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Unreal. This would happen fairly recently. Florida man blames Putin in attempt to avoid speeding ticket. <laughs> oh, man. That Ooh, is a tough. bold claim, but if you can get away with it, I guess go for it. Word of the old college try? <laughs> Everyone else is blaming the guy for everything else. You might as well try. <laughs> <laughs> Another one from the Tampa Bay Times, Florida man charged with murder after suicide pact with girlfriend at shooting range. Oh my God. He should be charged with lying because he didn't hold up his end of the deal. Yeah. Wow. I think that one just broke me. Maybe this one will help bring you back to earth. Florida man claims he's Mick Jagger. Picks fight at restaurants. 
<laughs> All right, that's the classic Florida man I'm used to. <laughs> He's got those moves. And the last one I have, I have because I, I saw it on the actual news while I was in Florida for work a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and they just reported it like it was no big deal. And it blew my mind because it's like, I'm not in Florida. So I just assume that even Florida news just like, yeah, this batshit crazy thing happened here. Yeah. Uh, this We can't call it a Florida man. This us did this. <laughs> one of us. Are you ready for this one? Hold on to your butts. This one's insane. Because, again, they just reported it as the news. <laughs> okay. Florida man steals car. Train sends it smashing into home. And that's not the crazy part. That headline alone is, is pretty wild. Yeah. What happened with this Florida man was he stole a car after he left a bar to go find his car. <laughs> and then he ended up getting hit by a train, and the train threw the car that he stole into a home. Oh, my God. And you would think, man, that guy must have gotten pretty fucked up. Yeah. And he didn't, because after that, someone went to go help him out, and he just got out of the car and went to a nearby fruit stand, <laughs> which he then vandalized. What? And that's not all, because after he vandalized this fruit stand, he attempted to steal a forklift, and that's when the cops got him. Wow. I feel like that, if you ever read the Odyssey, you have Odysseus's <laughs> journey. <laughs> I feel like this is a very drunk, abbreviated version of just a general Odyssey that this man went on. For sure. It's definitely epic poem worthy. Oh, without a doubt, if Homer were alive today, he'd be blushing writing this. <laughs> it doesn't speak well to the Florida police response time either. No, that he had time to do all of this. <laughs> he stole a car, crashed into a train, or got hit by a train, crashed into a car, got out, vandalized a fruit stand, stole a forklift, and then the cops showed up? That's right. What a night. What a night indeed. <laughs> Also, I have no clue if he ever found his car, I'm, I'm, which really is just the MacGuffin of the story, I guess. Right, yes. So. <laughs> you have to push the plot forward. Coming soon, Hangover 4. Oh, God, that'd be so good. <laughs> On with the Adams. <laughs> so Fester slash Gordon, well, I'm just going to call him Uncle Fester from now on, just for clarity's sake. I think that's fair. He says he can only stay with the family for like a week because he's got some things cooking in the Bermuda Triangle. As we all do, right? That's business. Wednesday and Morticia are both immediately suspicious of Uncle Fester, but Gomez is just so happy to have his brother back. The next morning, after breakfast, Gomez brings Fester to the vault, where he shows him old home videos and asks for forgiveness for wooing both Flora and Fauna, the conjoined, ar the conjoined Amor <laughs> twins, which is the source of their original falling out 25 years ago. Because the boys can't share. You know, it's it's tough because they're connected at the shoulder. I get that one too, but these brothers were so close, they might as well have been too. That's true. They, you know, they did all sorts of stuff together, like with dynamite. That's and right. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, for the amount of horniness that Gomez carries with him, I would not want to be conjoined to that man. That's true. And he says he did the whole thing out of spite because Fester could have any woman he wanted. Yep. Christopher Lloyd, famous lady killer. That's what sure. they say. <laughs> oh, boy. I was frozen today! <laughs> Let it go. I got two young kids. You can't be dropping frozen shit like that. <laughs> I hear it every day, day in and day out. I know every lyric to those damn songs, and I could know other things in life, and I don't. It has been replaced by frozen lyrics. That's fair. 
next time you have to watch that movie, just tell tell the kids, I watched Frozen today. <laughs> or I watched Frozen today. I could start doing that. Maybe they'll get so annoyed. Be like, Dad, stop doing Christopher Lloyd impressions. <laughs> and I'll be like, how the hell do you know who Christopher Lloyd is? You're four. That's impressive. 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> It'd be perfect. The most perfect kid I've ever raised. It'd be very impressive. Dad of the year. <laughs> Gomez starts to get suspicious of Fester after he fails to remember important events from their childhood, like that Gomez started smoking at five, or, you know, the vault combination, or their secret names for each other, and the secret password, which is basically their safe word for when they're roughhousing. Gomez probably knows a lot about safe words. I would imagine so. I don't like that we never find out what the secret password is. It bothered me too! I really want to know what the password is. Like, at the end of this thing, I wanted him to, like, say the safe word, yeah. the password, and it's like, oh, it is Fester, but we'll get there. It's confusing. We will get there. After Morticia lets Wednesday electrocute Pugsley, the family head to the charity <laughs> auction. You brush over an electric chair scene. There's so many tiny little moments where Wednesday and Pugsley are trying to kill each other that are so entertaining, and they're all just nothing moments. We'll get there. But they're so much fun. They absolutely are. Morticia and Gomez get into a horny bidding war over their own bejeweled finger trap, and they win it for 50 grand. It's crazy because you have Gomez getting off on Morticia as she's getting off on bidding higher numbers for her own donation. They could have saved themselves a lot of money by just not donating it. No, just got a motel room. That's it. And, and also that. <laughs> Even though I don't need it. That house is enormous, and it, it needs is. to be. And for how hard Gomez goes and the kids in the house. They yeah. need that space. I also can't imagine there's anywhere in that house they haven't. That's also true. Nothing is safe. Absolutely nothing. That little octopus painted on Wednesday's bed has seen some shit. <laughs> oh, if it could talk. On the way home from the auction, Fester asks how to take the finger trap off. And that's something that this dude should know, because he's been stuck wearing that finger trap before for two whole years. Which is insane to me, because they picked up this finger trap just off the top of a shelf. Like, it should have some more sentimental value just being on top of a shelf. They go, oh, yeah, that. And now all of a sudden, he's like, Fester should know what this is. He used to have it on his finger for two years, and he played with it all the summers, and he was attached to that thing. It was a gift for his 10th birthday or something. And now the guy doesn't even know what it is. He has no clue. And Gomez stews over these inconsistencies while he crashes his toy trains together. And the whole family knows that he's pissed off because he's playing with his toy trains. Oh, he's using the diesel. Oh, he must be super mad. Oh, around Dead Man's Curve. <laughs> like announcing it. I love that they're not even in the room and they know exactly what's happening with this train set. It's so weird, though, that they're announcing this train set from another room. It's like, do you believe in miracles? He's going around Dead Man's Curve. I don't believe it. <laughs> it's also weird that there's a tiny Barry Sonnenfeld on this train. That is very funny. It's amazing. I love it. Because it's just a toy train set. And then they cut to an interior shot of it. And you see Gomez's huge face of Barry Sonnefeld's <laughs> in the green paper. Like, what the hell just happened? And it's those little asides that I love. Yes, absolutely. While Gomez is playing with his trains, Uncle Fester tries to access the vault. But he can't remember which of the many chains to pull inside the secret passageway. And when he pulls the wrong one, he's yanked upwards and then sent down a slide into a shark tank and flushed out of the house. And Morticia watches him like Augustus gloop his way through a tube. Yeah. In a room like, 
that should have been the most red flag that there was. If you're suspecting a guy of not being really who he says he is, and then you watch him do that, you're like, that's definitely not him. Well, All right. This guy's certainly not the Uncle Fester that I would know. So she meets him outside, and she leads him on a tour of the family graveyard, and she reminds him of the family creed, Sic Gorgiamus Allos Subjectatos Nunc, which means we gladly feast on those who would subdue us. Not just pretty words. Not just pretty words. It's a As very, says, I like very it. subtle threat to this man. Oh, yeah. She would be so good in The Sopranos. Oh, absolutely. Like, if she were married to Tony, like, that's the crossover that I didn't know I needed. Adam Family, Westfield, New Jersey is where it's, it was created. That's where Charles Adams is from. It's plausible that she could yeah. have done it that way. Absolutely. Morticia and Tony. I'd watch that. Because see, like, Tony Soprano come down the stairs to the Adams Family, like, house. Where's my beautiful broad? Where's she hiding today? Ah. <laughs> uh, my gabagool. Woke up this morning. Got some gabagool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That'd be perfect. And she just goes outside, does all the threats, and also does the hits. She might as well. She's going to love might, it. Uh, yeah. That's her thing. I would watch the hell out of that crossover. Oh, absolutely. Like, if you thought The Sopranos was good now, forget it. <laughs> Two great things that taste great together. Kids, come on down. Your Uncle Paulie's here. I <laughs> oh, <he> was frozen. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, be perfect. I want Uncle, it. I want it now. Uncle Paulie's just a head of hair. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's just a slicked back head of hair with those big white streaks, just like Paulie had the, in the, the show. The white sideburns, yeah. <laughs> you could do it with the kids, too. Absolutely. This might be the best thing we've ever come up with, actually. It's way up there. It's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. It's something. Not nothing. <laughs> we know that. It's far from nothing. <laughs> Uncle Fester suspects that the family is on to him, you know, after getting threatened in the graveyard. So Abigail, as Dr. Pinderschloss, convinces Gomez that his suspicion is nothing more than displacement. Whatever that means. She's a doctor. She convinces him that because he's suspicious, it means it has to be Fester. And he just takes it hook, line, sinker. He sure does. He's like, nope, that makes perfect sense. Thank you, Doc. Uh, Gomez, little gobble. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. We'll get there. <laughs> but Fester is starting to show signs of growing close to the family. Like he's spending time with Wednesday and Pugsley and helping them with their sword fighting scene for their school play and teaching them about explosives. And he's legit loving it. So Abigail hatches a plan for Fester to pretend he's not interested in going to the school play. So they leave the house vacant and they can go and find the vault and take all the doubloons. A hell of a lot more than just doubloons in there. As yeah, we there's, saw. There's a whole lot of treasures. Of just, I don't know, they were too quickly cut from when we saw them originally to actually know what's in there. We just saw there was a lot of whatever's in there. There's a lot of stuff. Definitely a lot of doubloons, among other things, and a couple of bears, maybe. Maybe. It <laughs> could be a lot of doubloons. It could be a bullshit Richie Rich scenario. It, it could just be the friends we made along the way. <laughs> That's right. The worst kind of treasure when you think about it, oh, when you're looking it. for treasure. Fester ends up breaking from the plan and attending the play because he just, he really likes these kids. He really likes his family. And I have an actual IMDb trivia fact. Fire away! The scene Pugsley and Wednesday perform at their school pageant does not seem to be taken from any particular William Shakespeare play. The line, a hit, a very palpable hit, 
is from Act 5, Scene 2 of Hamlet, but the rest of the dialogue is not. That's fine. This scene's amazing. It's so good. They are spilling fake blood on all the supporting cast. And all the parents in the first few rows. Wednesday's treating this thing like a Gallagher concert. It's phenomenal. I love it. I love, like, just the deadpan faces of all the parents, just blood splattered. <laughs> getting totally carried. Like, you can't get mad at the kids. They're just expressing themselves. It's exactly. good. And they're doing a hell of a job doing it. They are. They are. And because I gave you an actual IMDb trivia fact, I do have what is probably a caped IMDb trivia fact. All right. The budget of this film ballooned after they had to replace multiple sets due to all the scene chewing that Christopher Lloyd was doing while on screen. Yeah, he's like a cocker spaniel, just gnawing on everything. Oh, like the corners of everything. Facial expressions this man makes the entire movie. It would make Jim Carrey think about quitting, really. Yeah, like, ah, that's it. This guy's got it. I can't compete with that. Maybe I'll come back in like 20 years and do a cable guy commercial for, for Verizon <laughs> or whatever. 30 years, bud. 30. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. Maybe that's what led to him talking out of his butt when he realizes, like, my face can only do so much, but I also have this hole back here that I can make funny noises with if I move my hands the right way exactly. around it. I'll treat my sphincter like it is a mouth. <laughs> and that's where the big bucks come from. That's right. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Tell me you were frozen today with your butt, Christopher Lloyd. I was shown up today! <laughs> so Fester's at the play. Ruining the plan, but Abigail tries to go into the house anyway. She gets trapped by the vines outside the house because, of course, they're alive. Why wouldn't they be? The next morning, Lurch discovers her. Lurch, of course, played by Carl Stroiken. Can we talk about Lurch really quickly? Because he's in all this movie. Yes, he's been in this whole movie. He looks like the kindest man ever. He looks like such a sweet, gentle giant. And I don't like that he never gets a line. He just grunts. I really wanted him to be like, you rang. He barely grunts, though. He's just kind of smiling and just being nice the whole entire movie. He looks like a genuinely sweet monster. He's a damn sweetheart, and I love him. I will protect him. I want a lurch. <laughs> lurch is for everybody. <laughs> that's, that's what Oprah would do if she had the chance. <laughs> you get a lurch, and you get a lurch, and you get a lurch! <laughs> you make it sound like a plant when you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's where Lurch finds Abigail in the plant, and he just lets her out, and she just goes into the, the dining room, and they're she like, She says, oh, say hey. nothing, and he's just like, I'm fucking Lurch. I can't. <laughs> Morticia tells Dr. Pinderschloss that Gomez and Fester have reconciled, and that they're planning a party to honor Fester, and that gives Gordon slash Fester and Abigail yet another opportunity to reach the vault. At the party, the extended Adams clan gathers to celebrate. Cousin It is there, voiced by John Franklin. He dances with Tully's wife, because why not? And Tully's wife loves it. She is very apprehensive at first, but by the end of this party, she's like, I got a thing for Cousin It. Well, they had that whole scene on the balcony where Cousin It is connecting with her. He's looking at her like she's a person. It's so well done. It really is. It's crazy because, like, it's a giant wig talking to a person in a giant wig. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> right there. They saw each other. They knew. I have an actual IMDb trivia effect. Another. Okay. This is This, this a is lot. the last one. The last okay. one. 
Many people have confused this film as being made by Tim Burton. He actually had nothing to do with the film at all, but the movie is quite visually similar to something Burton would create. Yeah, you're not wrong. That, that's a fact. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird how in 1991, Tim Burton had like the gothic corner of film already covered. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's dark. Tim Burton did it. No, not this one. Yeah, it's got some crazy angles and big statues. Tim Burton. Probably Tim Burton, yeah. And the reason I read that one is so I can get to this, what is probably a caped IMDb trivia fact. Cousin It was played by Robin Williams' wildly hairy arms in an uncredited role. It's completely true. Look it up. It's just Robin Williams' arms hanging out <laughs> on set. It. Have you ever seen those things? Oh, yeah. I saw them in the Adams Family. Like, have you ever saw Fern Gully where he's that bird or whatever, and they're chopping down the forest? <laughs> like, legitimately, they could have redone it as, like, honey, I shrunk the environmentalist or whatever, and just put them in his arm hair. Yeah. It would have been the same movie running through there. But just <laughs> I with, like, him maybe Sasquatch was in or this. something. <laughs> R.I.P. Robin Williams, your arms were wildly hairy. Wildly hairy. You know, I feel like if you can have Christopher Hart's hand playing a character, you can have Robin Williams' arms playing another one. It would have been crazy if they had, like, Robin Williams' hand playing thing. It would just be like, the knuckles are just so furry as it walks across the ground. Different movie. Very different movie. And well, I don't know about very. I wonder but... if Robin Williams would do that. Like, that bit of a part, like, he's that hidden because that man loved being in front of the camera. That's true. Mostly because he hated being not in front of the camera so much. I wonder how expressive he could have been with just his hand. That's a movie I'd be curious to see. That's range right there. Like, we saw his range Goodwill Hunting with the bench scene. Oh, yeah. You do a hand scene. That's when I'm going to be impressed. Robin. Robin Williams' hand is definitely the thing of our Sopranos Adams Family crossover. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Wednesday is sent to check on Fester because, you know, there's a big dance coming up. We'll get there shortly. She finds him in the bathroom with Abigail, who is shaving his head and discussing their plans for the evening to, you know, rob this place. And Wednesday's like, ah, you're a big phony. And then she's chased away by Fester, and she escapes through, you know, those random slides and tunnels that are in this house and runs into the family graveyard. I have no idea about the architecture of this house or the geography of this house. And I don't care. None whatsoever, and I think the less I know, the better it is. It works. Meanwhile, Flora and Fauna tell Tully that Fester, being the older brother who has returned, would be the executor of the Adams estate and would thus inherit everything on the property. And Tully's like, this gives me an idea, and he immediately leaves the party to go hang out with the Adams neighbor, Judge Womack. And I love how he just goes over to Judge Womack. He's like, hey, you want to get the, rid of those Adamses for good? It's like, okay, this all seems really shady. And also, you should probably dismiss yourself from any cases that may come forward in the future. <laughs> Wink. Ding! <laughs> and then Gomez and Fester dance the mamushka, a family traditional dance that's been passed down through generations of Adamses, and somehow Fester is weirdly nailing it. Is he watching Gomez to, like, take his cues of how to do this dance? Because he sometimes looks like he is, but then sometimes he definitely knows it. Yeah, ex that's the impression I get, is you're not supposed to be sure at this moment, but that you're supposed to be questioning, maybe this really is Fester. That there is a connection of some sort. Yeah, something's funky here. He can't be faking this whole dance. It's definitely a scene in this movie that goes it on happens. a long time. 
Uh, there's an extended cut where it goes on much, much longer. Yeah, apparently it did not test well, and <laughs> they ended up cutting it, and then, I don't know, magic happened. I, I don't know how any of this stuff works. <laughs> the, you know, re-releasing it because it's 2021, and we just put out a Blu-ray for the Adams Family. This movie's long enough. I can't imagine more of a dancing scene. And I say this movie's long enough, and it's not that long, which is it's the crazy really part. Not. The movie's only 99 minutes long, but the way it's broken up, it feels so much longer. Yeah, 100%. This thing takes a bit to get through. I wouldn't say it dragged either. Like, it just kept moving, but there was just so much There was always more nothing. happening, yeah. Or I shouldn't say nothing. There was always something happening, but it was just not part of the story. It was like an aside. Yes, there's so many asides, and we're not done with them yet. No, we're not! After the party, all of the family except Fester go searching for Wednesday, and they find her sleeping inside a crypt in the cemetery, but when they get back to the house, they find the gate locked. Tully tells them that Fester's time with the Amor twins brought back his memories, and he has placed a restraining order demanding they stay at least a thousand yards from the property. That's impressive. That to he pulled her, it off a restraining in general, order overnight. or that he pulled it off this quick? Yeah, okay, that's fair. Gomez decides he's going to take the issue to court, and wouldn't you know it, they have to go before Judge Womack, who rules in favor of Fester out of spite, though he does give Gomez his golf balls back. He does, but nobody checks if this is a real Fester or not. And also, Wednesday knows it's not. Right, so I don't know how they're getting away with this. I have no idea, and that's the part that bothers me the most, is that Wednesday clearly heard the conversation of, I'm not Fester, I'm Gordon, this is my mom. Right. And she told her parents that, and even then he's like, I'm going to take him to court. And then he still loses. It's like, you have the ultimate piece of evidence here. An eyewitness. Yeah, she's a creepy kid. She is. But maybe we should start listening to our creepy kids a little bit more. Listen to your creepy kids. They have weird things to say, and you know what? Some of it's gold. Some of it is gold. When they bring up Slenderman, yeah, maybe then sit them down. (laughs) But until they bring up Slenderman, they're just a creepy kid who's expressing themselves. Exactly. And then you just have to hope you don't have a crooked judge who got paid off by your skeezy lawyer. Who knows you because he's your actual neighbor. He should have been dismissed from this case. It's not important. It's an Adams Family movie. We're not going to get into that. That's fair. Let's not get into the legal issues of the <laughs> the Adams Family movie. <laughs> oh, man. Defeated, the Adamses move into a motel. Fester, Abigail, and Tully all repeatedly try and fail to reach the vault, while the Adams Family try to adapt to their new situation. Well, they go about this in the worst way possible, because the three of them just go into this room. That is all the chains and handholds to grab onto. Yeah. It's like, maybe start marking the ones that don't work. Like, you recognize <laughs> that you're just going to get ejected out of this room and you're just going to go back in. Just going to keep going in, yanking on those chains. Uh, maybe slip a post-it note onto them or something. Be like, bad, 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 or whatever. <laughs> like, something. Some kind of system. They don't deserve the vault. They If they don't. can't come up with the simplest system. I agree. And then we also have the Adams Family and more of these asides that don't really mean anything to the film, but they're there. So we're going to talk about them. Morticia becomes a preschool teacher, but her rendition of Hansel and Gretel make all of the kids cry. Which is perfect. I love it so much because she's sitting up there telling these kids the story, and she's doing it very motherly. But then obviously what she's saying is connecting with the kids. They're just like, no, this is horrible. (laughs) And how do you think that felt? When she was being burnt alive. I love Angelica Houston. I got to work with her. 
I got to hang out with her at a rap party once, and just there's not a cooler lady out there. That's awesome. I'm jealous. You get to spend time with Morticia Adams. She's awesome. So Wednesday and Pugsley open a lemonade stand, but they have fun ingredients like arsenic and other assorted poisons. This is the scene I was excited for, because I feel like this was like the one that was in the trailers and whatnot. Yeah. Because this is the most Adams Family thing that happens in this movie. A Girl Scout comes by to barter with them lemonade for, for Girl Scout cookies, and she asks if the lemonade is made with real lemons. Which is an insane question for a kid to ask, but it's also an insane question for someone in 1991 to ask. Absolutely it is. Because that is like a Whole Foods question Absolutely. of bullshittery. <laughs> is this organic, non-GMO lemonade? <laughs> non-GMO lemonade. So, of course, Wednesday asks the Girl Scout if the Girl Scout cookies are made from real Girl Scouts. It's perfect. I think it's my favorite line of the movie. Oh, without a doubt, it's mine. And then, of course, Lurch shows up, has some lemonade, and breathes fire. Which is great. It's a good little button on the scene. Also, Thing gets a job for FedEx. <laughs> As a courier, and he's just cruising around, a little hand, just running around, doing all these jobs. I need to see the scene where he gets interviewed for the job. How would that even work, though? I have so many questions. And they would have to be answered in either sign language or Morse code. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so all the family is trying to raise money to keep themselves alive. Gomez can't bring himself to do much of anything but watch daytime TV to the point where even Sally tells him to stop calling. It's so good. How you have Raul Julie on the phone. He says, hi, Sally. And she goes, Gomez, please stop calling. <laughs> and I just want to say also. That putting the Adams family in the real world after you've established how eccentric and kooky and ooky they are, I think that is a little bit of a stroke of genius in Absolutely. this movie. Yeah, it felt a bit forced, but at the same time, I kind of wish they lived out there just a little bit longer and did yeah. more funny things. Because to set up like a third act, the way they're doing it, it's a really good way to do it. I completely agree. I would love to see more Adams family out in the world. Like them on vacation. Like, substitute Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo in National Lampoon's Vacation, but make it the Adams Family. Um, can we just do a whole series of Adams Family crossovers? Yes, we absolutely should do that. Vacation all I ever wanted. <laughs> it's perfect. I love it. Morticia, seeing how upset Gomez is, returns to the mansion to confront Fester. And Fester's bummed out, too. Fester is bummed out because, you know, he really likes this family. He was having a good time. Him and his mom are sitting at far ends of the big table eating their soup, and Christopher Lloyd made choices with that soup bowl. <laughs> yeah, he did. I've never seen someone stir soup to the point of it not being bowlable. It was not bowl. That bowl could not handle the Christopher Lloyd choices. And it got to the point that he just started playing with it, like dumping the soup back in with the spoon. Then he just started spinning the bowl with his hands. It's amazing. Like he was about to do like pottery with the soup. It was nuts. <laughs> like Patrick Swayze was going to come up behind him and help him with the soup. That right there was a missed opportunity. <laughs> really was. They're always talking about ghosts in this movie too. It's true. So naturally, because Morticia shows up at the mansion, Tully and Abigail fridge her immediately. They start torturing her to learn how to reach the vault, but of course, she loves the torture. She absolutely loves it so much. 
she's almost cheating on Gomez here. <laughs> I feel like she has that little bit of inkling, like, oh, this is bad, but it feels so good. Luckily, Thing followed her to the mansion, and he sees all of this, and he returns to the motel, where he informs Gomez that his wife is in trouble. You know, again, with the sign language and the Morse code. He gets it eventually. I feel like it took him, like, two tries to get it. Like, he tried the sign language, and it wasn't working out. Yeah. And he started just tapping on the table. I love that he included the stops, and Gomez didn't get excited until after the last stop. That's just professional right there. That's amazing. So Gomez rushes to her rescue, but while he's sword fighting with Tully, Abigail pulls a gun. You say he's sword fighting with Tully, but you're leaving out his grand entrance of how he front flips through a window. <laughs> That's right. He front flips through a window. Gomez is a very flippy man. He does several flips in this movie. You can't keep that man down. He will always find a way to flip. So Abigail demands that Gomez take them to the vault or she will kill Morticia. And she says you have one hour, which seems like a lot of time that considering seems like, you're in the house. Yeah, it's like it's right downstairs. We could just go. I mean, there's a moat that we have to row through and stuff. but Which who knows how long that takes. Yeah, maybe an hour isn't even enough time. And that moat that's downstairs, I mean, you might as well be rowing through, like, the Mines of Moria, the way that it looks. <laughs> it's insane. Sorry to bring up that memory for you, but it's an apt comparison. It is. It's, <laughs> I can't take that from you. It is, it's exactly what it reminded me of, too. That, <laughs> that and, and where the Phantom lives in the Phantom of the Opera movie. Also very, very fair. <laughs> Gerard Butler Phantom, by the way, because, you know, choices were made. I still can't believe that was a choice that was made. So Fester, disgusted by all of this torture and Abigail's constant badgering, decides he's going to take matters into his own hands. As Gomez is getting ready to pull the book to open up the trap door, Fester tells him, no, 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 that's the wrong book. And he picks up a book titled Hurricane Irene, and he produces a tropical storm within the mansion that blows Tully and Abigail out the window and into two open graves freshly dug by Pugsley, Wednesday, and Thing. And I love how Pugsley asks, are they dead? And Wednesday says, does it matter? Wow. It's beautiful. Wow, wow, wow. And also you have Fester or Gordon or whatever he is at this moment, which I'm still not sure about. He's like yelling at his mom, like, you are a bad mother. And he gets zaps in the head by a stray lightning bolt from the book. He could have just grabbed that book while he was in Hill Valley instead of having to wait for a lightning storm. That's when true. When you think about it. <laughs> 1.21 gigawatts. Would have saved him a full act and sending Marty McFly to an enchantment under the sea dance. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you worry, Marty. I've got this book, Hurricane Irene. <laughs> Marty, you're not going to have to hook up with your mom after all. Yeah, oh, Doc. Can, can I please, Doc? Come on, Doc. <laughs> oh, that's heavy. <laughs> what does weight have to do with it, Marty? <laughs> I was frozen today. <laughs> Whenever I do Christopher Lloyd in Back to the Future, I'm so tempted to like go into a Rick Sanchez now because it's just way too close. Absolutely. 100 years, Marty. 100 years. <laughs> you're going to have to go back in time and you're going to have to talk to your mom and you're going to have to hook up with your mom at the Biff in the car, Marty. <laughs> you could do it. You could do it, Marty. You could. You can do it. Just don't be a fool. Wrap your tool, Marty. You won't have you in the future or your dad. I, I don't I don't know. Where's your sister? 
at least with Rick and Morty, they're, you know, grandfather and grandson. There's a reason for them to be hanging out. I still don't understand Doc and Marty's relationship. No clue. It is unknown, and it's probably the greatest question that's ever been asked. Will forever be unknown. It's the way to leave it, though. I feel like an answer to that question would ruin the entire series. <laughs> that's true. It gets too real. But the Adams family. We cut to seven months later. The family throws a Halloween party. Uncle Fester's memories have returned. That's right. It turns out that Gordon was the real Uncle Fester all along. He had really been found in Miami with amnesia. And this was the confusing part of this movie for me. Because was he? I don't know. Yes, it's, no. uh, it's very unclear. Because they say that, yes, this is the real Uncle Fester. But then it's clearly also not. So I just don't know what to believe anymore. I think they explain that when he was found in Miami... He had amnesia from his time in the Bermuda Triangle, and that Abigail Craven was the one who kind of molded him into this other person, this Gordon Craven character. Okay, that I could buy. It did not seem that clear, though. <laughs> like, there's nothing cut and dry about this explanation. Well, it was originally intended to be an unclear that Fester was, whether he was an imposter or not, but it turns out the actors... We're like, we can't have that be the case in this movie. And they all nominated 10-year-old Christina Ricci to be the one to speak on their behalf. And she gave this, quote, really impassioned plea that Fester shouldn't be an imposter at the end. So they ended up changing it. Okay, I guess it works. Yeah, Barry Sonnenfeld himself said it was the better way to go. He also said the only person in the cast who didn't seem to care was Christopher Lloyd. That's also fair. The man got his paycheck, and that's all he's really after, I feel like, in the early 90s. Yeah. Fester and the children rush out to the graveyard for a rousing game of Wake the Dead, and Gomez ponders what could possibly make life better. And that's when Morticia holds up a three-legged onesie that she's been knitting. <laughs> it's wonderful. I love the look, and then I love the crazy editing that does not make any sense here, <laughs> because they're smiling, they're not smiling, they're kissing, they're not kissing. Kids, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs while editing. It's a mess. It's all over the place, for sure. But... That right there is The Addams Family from 1991, directed by the Barry fucking Sonnenfeld. This movie's a whole lot of fun. It really is. Does it make a lot of sense? Not entirely. No, you gotta turn your brain off for a lot of it. And that's okay. It is. It's about being entertained. Not everything needs to be a thinker. I agree. Sometimes I like to not think. It's kind of why I watch movies most of the time. Exactly. Why don't you take a guess what this thing got on Rotten Tomatoes? 1 100. Go ahead. 72. 65. Audience score 66. So it's right in that oh, wheelhouse. Wow. Roger Ebert did see this movie and he gave it two out of four stars. He said, There are a lot of little smiles in the Adams family and many chuckles and grins, but they don't add up to much. The movie is like a series of Charles Adams cartoons that inspired it, in which each individual line or image is self contained. I was mildly entertained but I was hoping for big laughs, and with one exception, I didn't find them. Does he say what the one exception is? It's got to be Girl Scout cookies. Probably. <laughs> he goes on to say, In the months before this movie opened, there were a lot of brief trailers for it in the theaters. You've probably seen some of them, like the one where the kids ask if the Girl Scout cookies are made from real Girl Scouts, so that must have been it. Yep, there it is. By themselves, these lines are funny, as were the cartoon captions that inspired some of them but they don't build. They get a laugh, and then the movie has to build up to the next one. This is the kind of film that isn't as much fun to see as it is to hear about. 
That's fascinating. I completely agree. Because the idea of the Adams Family, I think, is hysterical. Yeah. But actually watching this movie, yeah, not a whole lot happens. There are occasional chuckles. It is just little vignettes, like cutouts from a cartoon for the most part, that are just kind of pieced together by a drunk editor. <laughs> yeah, that that is... That's true. I, the the best moments of this movie are the little asides that have nothing to do with the plot. Well, that's because the plot is complex, or it thinks it's complex. Yeah. But it's actually pretty flimsy, I'd say, actually, because you're trying to bank on this whole con man story for whatever reason. Right. I agree with Roger wholeheartedly here. I'm inclined to also agree with him. The idea of the Adams Family is more fun than the Adams Family. The movie. Right. Or in general, you're saying. Maybe in general. That's interesting. I really like the old cartoons. Going back and actually reading a few of them to get ready for this, they're terrific. But I think the movie itself is more fun to talk about than actually to sit down and watch. That being said, I love Adam's Family Values. I cannot wait to talk about that one day. Oh, someday. On Letterboxd, our good friends there, they all raved about this movie, and most of it was, can you please adopt me Adams's? And also, Morticia and Gomez are relationship goals. <laughs> well, that's a lot of Gen Z reviews. Oh, yes, it is. But since this movie is about creepy and kooky and ooky, the monsters on Amazon.com no. reviewed this movie. And it has 4.7 out of 5 stars, 84% are 5 star, only 1% are 1 star. Now, Brian, it's been a while since we've done Amazon 1 stars. So I need you to get into that headspace again. All right. The people who reside on there and who actually want to type up reviews for movies on Amazon.com. They are monsters, likely relatives of the Adams. <laughs> so that being said, from April 23rd, 2018, boring for a cinephile, okay for kids, I guess. <laughs> Gross. Gross. Me being a cinephile, I don't like it. <laughs> I'd rather watch a Citizen Kane or Seven Samurai or Sunset Boulevard, but the Adams Family? Nope. Nope, you can take that celluloid and stick it you know where. <laughs> the Adams Family? Yeah, it's like more like a kid's movie than it is like Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's not even in black and white. I can't believe people ever watch this trash. <laughs> I'm trying to copy the French New Wave by speaking French. And all they really say is Mosherie and we. <laughs> Jean-Luc Adard is probably rolling around his grave at the Adamses. Your actual film nerd is starting to show. Oh, shit. <laughs> that, was, that was good framing for the people that are on Amazon.com. It's like they trapped me. That's entrapment. That's illegal. <laughs> you a cop, you got to tell me if you're a cop. <laughs> From June 16th, 2015, downright weird. Celebrating all types of wickedness. Build is fun. <laughs> what are they mad about? Wickedness. Build is fun. Coming this summer. Wickedness. Build is fun. <laughs> downright weird, though. It's like, you've heard their song from the 60s TV show. <laughs> right? What did you think was going to happen here? I don't know. <laughs> what were you anticipating? Well, as a set of file, I was... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> From August 
2013, overly slick. This was some real hipster throwback crap. What? I don't know. I don't even know what that means. This isn't like Wes Anderson's The Addams Family. This isn't hipster throwback crap at all. Although. I absolutely love if like in Fantastic Mr. Fox, they went. (laughs) That'd be perfect. Be pretty great. That'd be hipster throwback crap. Hipster throwback crap. How about we give this thing a super stuff score? Let's do that. But first. There's a cinephile here now. This is our K-pop theater. That's right. We got one. Keaton Patty, comedy writer at Keaton Patty on Twitter. He forced a bot to watch a thousand hours of lawyer commercials and then asked it to write a lawyer, <laughs> lawyer commercial of its own. <laughs> Weirdly appropriate. All right. Uh, for this one, I'm going to do the narration, the scene descriptions, and you are going to play the lawyer. Oh, I can't wait. The part I was born to play. Yeah, so just try to channel your best Dan Hedaya. Let me go roll around in mud and sweat. Interior, firm law room. A lawyer (laughs) stands next to a shelf with books. The books are very wide. They've eaten too many words. Have you been hurt in an accidental car? Has the government sold your lungs without asking nicely? Are you mesothelioma? Answer me! The lawyer opens a briefcase. It's full of lemons, the justice fruit only lawyers may touch. If so, you can act entitled for money. I'll help. I graduated from lawn school, and all my teachers were bitten by dogs. Word scroll across the bottom of the screen. These are cases the lawyers take. Unfair stabbing, illegal shoes, music too Canadian, sue the rain, (laughs) divorce your toilet, fake sons. I have been a lawyer for over 35 weekends, and I'm currently dating the Bill of Rights for fun. We see the Bill of Rights. It's in love. The lawyer will break its heart. There's nothing we can do. Let me use it to send your asbestos to court. I will wear two suits, and I promise to steal the judge's gavel for you. (laughs) The lawyer opens up the jacket of his first suit. Millions of gavels pour out. His promise has worth. My clients never go to jail town. We see his past clients. A tornado, a tornado, a tornado. Remember, you don't pay any money unless you pay us money. (laughs) Call for a free use of phone. The phone digits appear. It's your social security number. (laughs) I'm like thinking of just all those crappy lawyers you see on TV all the time. Yeah. (laughs) It's perfect. All right. Now let's give this thing a super stuff story. Okay. (laughs) Story and motivation. Again, it's a flimsy story. It is flimsy. It's, It's basically this slimy lawyer and the person he owes money conspire to trick a family into thinking their long-lost brother has returned, and it turns out his long, your long-lost brother is actually, he's a guy, pretending to be a guy, but he's actually the original guy. I'm a dude disguised another dude dressed up as another dude. story is flimsy enough that an impassioned speech by a 10-year-old changed it. I'm going to go 0.25. <laughs> because there's dots that get connected via vignette. Yeah, that's true. Heroes. Is it the Adamses? I think so. Okay. Still 0.25. He got outlawed despite having all the evidence in the world. Well, he did say that the man who represents himself is, has a fool for a client. And he did call himself a fool. He knows himself. I am that fool. Yeah, I'm still going 0.25. <laughs> yeah, I think that's appropriate. Villains. They're mean. They're, they're, they're certainly mean. 
They're after the money. They have a really dumb plan to get it. They really, really do. And they luck into a backup plan that happens to work for a little while. I'm also going to go 0.25 because yeah. they're never especially intimidating. That's true. At no point do you feel like, oh, these guys are in control here. At no point that I think they're absolutely going to get away with this. Right. Parents? Teamwork? I think we got to go teamwork. It's the Adams family. That's true. It's, it's a, a gathering of individual Adamses. And the parents kind of do all the work and the kids are just kind of there. And I'd argue that really Gomez does all of the work. I well, mean, Thing, Thing does quite a bit of work. That's right. Thing does. Actually, I, Thing probably does the heavy lifting, which is ironic because he doesn't have biceps. Thing does a lot of heavy lifting. Morticia tries, but she just ends up getting fridged. She does get fridged. So I guess realistically, Morticia goes and tries to save the day. And Thing is the one who kind of accompanies her to make sure that she's okay. Yeah. And then he is the one who runs back to Gomez. Right. To go say, hey, go save Morticia. It's the weirdest hand job that's ever existed. <laughs> I don't know. The hand job where he was working for FedEx was also pretty weird. That's true, too. <laughs> also, that's an excellent play on words. But teamwork. It's like a .25 again. They, they work together, kind of. Female characters. Morticia is amazing. She is incredible. Wednesday is amazing. So good. Grandmama, phenomenal. I'll even go as far as to say as Margaret Alford, Tully's wife, is yeah. fantastic in this. Yeah, she's a lot of fun. And the main villain, Abigail Craven. Yep, full-blown one. One. They properly use all their female characters, and Morticia and Gomez are relationship goals. That's right. Setting. You got the Adams house. It's kooky and spooky and fun. And it's confusing in its layout, and it should be. I agree. You should never know really where you are in this house. I think yes. that's what makes it work. And for that, I'm kind of going to go one. I agree one for the setting, especially when you add in the brilliance of that, those moments in the real world. There's enough of them that it works. Yeah. That brings us to style and tone. It is not a Tim Burton movie. It's not. That being said, I'm still going one. Yeah, especially when you consider the director of photography, Owen Roisman, quit after like a month to go work on another movie. So they brought in uh, Gail Tattersall, who ended up quitting after a severe sinus infection. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Sonnenfeld himself took over cinematography, said, fuck oh, it, I'll do it myself. wow. I did not know that. Yeah. That is a wild double dip. It's insane, and I love it. I'm thinking one's too low now. Don't forget the drunk editing. One, like I said, <laughs> is right on the mark. Bam, nailed it. The next category is music. And if you don't mind, I'm going to take over here for a second. Frequent Rob Reiner, Billy Crystal, and Bette Midler co-collaborator, an Oscar short of an EGOT despite seven nominations and actually being the Academy Award musical director 13 times, a composer and EP for the short-lived NBC musical drama Smash, that one was just for you, and most recently, the writer of Save the City, the first and only MCU Broadway number, Mark fucking Shaman. Uh, he does all right here. He definitely does all right. And that's exactly the rap party I hung out with Angelica Houston with Smash. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Uh, yeah, he does just fine. I just like to sing his praises every once in a while, but uh, I, I, this is all right. There's, I think it's criminal underuse of the Adams Family theme song and the MC Hammer Adams groove, which 
was made specifically for this movie. Yeah, I had that loaded up, ready to go. That, um, I can't tell if I love or hate it. It did win the Golden Raspberry Award for worst <laughs> song that year. That feels super appropriate. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and like the the music video of it, it's funny because Mike Lanham actually posted it when we asked for questions. <laughs> okay. And I have not seen this thing in easily 20 years, 25 years. And it's MC Hammer getting beheaded in his headless... uh you know, head. That's a headless head, right? That how it works. He's disembodied. Bouncing head. around, and he's MC hammering all over the place, and you can't have his big old pants because he's only a head now. Yeah, but also he sword fights with Gomez. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because and thing gets all handy, handsy with one handsy. of the. It's handsy, not handy. His handsy, mm-hmm. handsy notebook. Right. <laughs> handsy, handsy notebook. <laughs> gets all gets all cozy with one of the hammer dancers. Yuck. It's it's interesting. <laughs> it is. Golden Raspberry Award winner, though. Definitely check that out. It's not a waste of four minutes of your life. No, it's not. Golden Raspberry Award winner. Let's not forget. Mark Shaman, MC Hammer. Where are we going? You know, I don't, I don't really know. Point five. Nailed it. Point, point five feels appropriate just because of the sheer uh of it all. I can't listen to that crap. I can't do I it. I especially so love the line... Kick and they slap a friend. <laughs> the musical genius of uh, MC Hammer. Mr. Hammer, you've done it again. Point five for music. One-liners. I don't know if they're one-liners. There's a lot, though. There's, there's quite a few that I think could qualify. Like, everything that Morticia and Gomez say, like, oh, Mulchelry, like that type of stuff is, like, sure. iconic. And I would say most of the things that Wednesday says throughout the movie. Without a doubt. And in the second one, we'll get there. She goes wild with it. <laughs> but even like the one scene where they're at dinner and she says, pass the salt. And Morticia says, what do you say? She says, now. That to me is fantastic. Absolutely. And like, I'm a homicidal maniac. They look just like everyone else. I'm going to go with a point five. I think point five is appropriate. I think my favorite one was uh, when they first are introduced to Abigail and Gordon, and she tells Wednesday that the human spirit is a hard thing to kill, and Grandmama says, even with a chainsaw. <laughs> it's so good. So good. I like how Grandmama just like pops into a scene really quickly and just goes. Even when she's like at the motel, she pops through the door of the motel with a bat says dinner's gonna be late and then closes the door and you'll hear the dog barking outside <laughs> there is not a single scene in this movie that's not made better by the inclusion of grandma ma this movie is so much more fun to talk about it is than to watch absolutely <laughs> nailed it that's so true point five for the one-liners and finally we have impact on the genre on the genre itself, it was a comic strip, became a movie, yep. just like a lot of other things do. This thing is its own franchise. It is. It had a TV show long before this movie came out. This is kind of like the reboot of the franchise itself. Right. You do get Adam's Family Values after. You do get the Tim Curry reboot eventually. Yep. The direct-to-DVD or direct-to-video. Was it Adam's Family Reunion? Is that what that was? That's the one. 
I had the, the other Adams family with the one D. Yep. And then you have the animated version that just came out not too yeah. long ago. Yeah. And then also you had a Broadway show that That's I went true. to see. Oh, I'm jealous. Nathan Lane as Gomez and BB Newworth as Morticia. Amazing. It was incredible. I bet. It shut fairly quickly, I believe, if I remember right. <laughs> well, it's more fun to talk about than it was to watch. That's true. I mean, that's the problem. <laughs> Nathan Lane, though, as Gomez, yes, please. Absolutely. That being said, I'm going to go with a .75. I think that's appropriate. .75, because, you know, it's, it's had its impact, for sure. It's not quite a one, though. I agree. And it is the Adams Family. It is a very iconic property. Absolutely. And this movie certainly helped it along. By a lot. It certainly didn't kill it. <laughs> That's right. Made $191 million on a $30 million budget. That's a big hit. And that is going to give The Adams Family a total score of 5.75. Nailed it. I think it's that right is on the money. Perfect. Absolutely nailed it. And now I get to get excited about next week. Because next week is our last episode for at least a few weeks while I go and have a third kid. And it is... Possibly our most requested movie to talk about. We wanted to go out with a bang for our first ever true break. There is no MCU show that we're going to talk about in the meantime, (laughs) (laughs) like our other quote-unquote breaks. Right. This is a true break. We're going to be posting some old episodes, some of our favorites, some of your favorites that you've told us about. Give you some caped classics. That's a great way to put it. Maybe that's what we'll call it. Yeah. But Brian, next week. The episode that we've been asked to do since the beginning of this show. (laughs) What are we talking about next week? Next week, we are going to be talking about Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. I know I say it a lot, that I've never been more excited to talk about a movie. I've been lying the whole time. (laughs) This is the one. The one I've been most excited for. This is the one that I have just been dying to talk about. This one has been requested more often than the two sequels that came prior to it. I honestly cannot wait next week, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Until then, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Join us on Patreon this month. We had a listener reach out to us over the holidays and tell us about a loss that he experienced and how our episodes helped him through it. And while we appreciate that and thought it was very nice of him to send that message we felt we could do more because as g willow wilson writes in miss marvel number five good is not a thing you are it is a thing you do so we reached out and found out that the person who had passed is a regular contributor to veterans inc and all the money we raise on patreon this month is going to veterans inc at the time of this recording we have raised 364 dollars to go toward the charity this month and that's really really exciting because Brian set the stretch goal at $500, and he said if we hit $500, Brian, what are we going to be talking about here on the main channel? We'll be talking about the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers. Now, Brian, I, or I should say St. Brian at this point, because I know how much <laughs> that's going to hurt you, but you're doing it for such a good cause, putting your mental and physical state on the line <laughs> Yeah, for everyone else's entertainment, but it's all for a good cause. Exactly. Keep subscribing, keep donating on Patreon. There's a ton of content there for you to listen to. Absolutely. If you're tuning to this show every single week and you're not listening to Patreon, you are missing out. For sure. 
there's some stuff that we get away with over there that we wouldn't put on this show. That's absolutely true. And we call it out saying, yeah, we could say that. It's Patreon. <laughs> it's Patreon. These people get what they pay for here. As little as $1 a month. And what better way to do it than young Frankenstein? I cannot wait. Super excited. everyone to hear that one. I want to thank everybody who on our Patreon has increased their donations to help us hit this stretch goal that we have. We still have a couple weeks left in the month for you to up your donation or to become a new subscriber. We did have one particular member of our favorites reach out to us, uh, Mr. Cubicle Monkey. Hey, Cubicle Monkey! Who very generously increased his Patreon pledge for this month. He says, gentlemen, good to hear from you. Hope you're doing well. Sorry I couldn't do more to force Brian to watch The Two Towers. We still have <laughs> extra life later this year. He's right about that. I'll just have to work a little harder with the blood and sperm donations. To be clear, these are separate donations. No crossing the streams. You never cross the streams. I'm glad he knows that. Finally, my donation is not an endorsement of any of that goop segment. I thought poo bearing <laughs> Macaulay Culkin was something, but woof. Oh, Pooh-Bearing Macaulay Culkin is a green hornet throwback. callback. But now I know what to expect if Gwyneth Paltrow asks me, want to find out what's in my box? So we all learned something. I'm so happy that he wrote in. This is educational, really. It is. Love the show. Enjoy the break. You all deserve it. Sarcastically, Cubicle Monkey. Brian gets a break. I don't get a break. (laughs) Right? You're going to be raising a human. I am, and Brian's going to just be trying to keep himself alive. Well, I keep a little one alive. It'll be real interesting. I'm not saying that the two are extremely similar, but like we're both putting in an effort. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Feel free to email us your questions and comments like Mr. Cubicle Monkey at katepodcasters at gmail.com or follow us on our social media at katepodcasters on all of the things, especially on Facebook where we always put up a post on our recording days asking for your questions and comments. And we got a couple this week. Cool. Once again, Jeff Miners, he asks, name a more perfect casting. Oh, that's tough. I mean, they nailed it with this family. They, they really, really did. Really did. Every single one of them is so good, except, except maybe Jimmy Workman. But they didn't give Pugsley Mucks to do anyway. Like, it's that's fine. True. He so can handle it. He's a workman. Serviceable. He's a workman. Yeah. Uh, the casting in this is phenomenal. I, I don't know that you could do better. I think I completely agree. Without... Digging deep into the Googles or whatnot, like off the top of my head, yeah, this is pretty perfect. Yeah. Bill Hudson Hawkins writes in and asks, is Christopher fucking Lloyd the most frequent non-MCU actor to appear on the show? How many episodes has he been on? That is a really good question. He was on Back to the Future. Yep. He was on Suburban Commando. He was on Dennis the Menace. Mm Mm-hmm. And here he is again on Adam's Family. That's off the top of my head. Did I miss one? Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. I completely forgot about that one. Yeah. That's five movies for this guy. That's a lot. Not MCU. And there may be others that we're forgetting right now because he shows up so often. I'm going to go with yes. Minimum five is what he's been on for sure. And don't forget, we also did Who Framed Roger Rabbit on the Patreon. Six. So Six. He okay. shows, up, shows up often. Phil, good call. Always a treat. Oh, he's the biggest treat. He was frozen today, if you haven't heard. <laughs> we might have mentioned it. Phil, Jeff, thank you guys for writing in. Mike Lanham sent us also the MC Hammer Adams groove for us to sit through. And he says be nostalgic about it. And So thoughtful of him. 
nostalgia and torture go hand in hand sometimes, right? <laughs> right. Well, he does get tortured. So that's true. Guys, thank you for writing in. Everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for the support. Go to Patreon. If you're listening every week and you're not there, it's as little as $1 a month. There is a ton more there. Yeah. That being said, Brian, you got anything else? That's it for me. Fantastic. We'll see you guys next week for Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Same pod time. Same pod. Donate.